we need to take a step back. And even though that response that we're getting from them is not what we want it to be, it's a harsh response, it's anger, it's frustration, whatever it might be. And it may be triggering us in our own trauma responses. Mm -hmm. In taking that step back and praying about it for a moment, I would hope that, that most of us not only recognize we have value, but that our children have value. Did you finally realize your dream of having a family only to have your happily ever after turn into a nightmare? Do you find yourself up late at night wondering why nothing you try as a parent is working? Are you searching for adoption resources and a support team but can't find any? Hi neighbor, welcome to Anchors of Encouragement. I'm Tim Maudlin, husband, adoptive parent, Bible class teacher, and ambassador of encouragement. I too felt the joy of having a family of my own. I wish we could be like other adoptive families. I knew we were doing our best, but nothing seemed to work. I kept asking myself, why is this happening to us? Life can be tough. Storms in life are inevitable. In Anchors of Encouragement, my mission is to throw adoptive parents a lifeline and be your anchor, to offer biblical mindset support and provide stability when life gets unstable. If you're ready for real and raw talk that leads to peace beyond comprehension, so you not only survive but thrive in life's storms, this podcast is for you. Hope and healing are on the way. Hi, neighbor. Joining me again on the show today is my friend, brother, and anchor of encouragement, David Dodd. David is my neighbor from Kentucky. He is a husband, father, and gospel preacher. David has been and is a daily blessing in my life. He was first on the show in episode 90, where we talked about how to deal with and process discouragement when it comes from our own internal dialogue and discouragement when it comes from the criticism we might receive from other people. That discussion was framed around the metaphor of water running off a duck's back. I would encourage you to go back and listen to episode 90 for the backstory and the detailed explanation David shared with us. David, it's good to have you back on the show with us again. Thank you, Tim. It's great to be back. Now, I wanted to uh, post these episodes close together because I want listeners to be able to go back and get the context for what we're going to talk about today and then understand this argument and the way we're using this metaphor in different ways. This conversation stemmed from a desire an adoptive parent expressed to me when talking about his adopted children. Today, we want to focus in more closely on what he was desiring as far as dealing with the trauma responses he was getting from his children. Having lived this, I know how difficult that can be at times when the trauma responses are being manifested either physically or verbally. How can an adoptive parent let that stuff slide off their back? It's not easy. I believe we can use this metaphor to better understand how to let it deflect and run off our backs. So, David, you have some ideas you want to share with us, and we're going to just go back and forth like we did in episode 90 because I believe this is something that uh, we can just keep building off this metaphor and applying it to adoptive parents. Well, and and I agree. And I, I hope we can, can come to some, some information that will be helpful to your listeners. I, I think the first thing that we, 
we have to understand is we have a unique situation when dealing with our own children versus, say, people that we work with, our family, you know, out extended family, our neighbors, things of that nature. Our children are able to see right through us. In other words, they can tell whether or not what we are offering to them as advice is something that we're applying in our own life. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, children will recognize hypocrisy quicker than anybody. And, and sometimes more accurately than anybody. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, the, the first thing I wanted to make sure is that we understand as parents when, when dealing with our children, and, and this is whether it's uh, children that are coming from adoption trauma or whether this is even just children just dealing with trauma in their life, their responses to you cannot be met by you in an equal fashion in which it's delivered from them. In other words, a soft answer will turn away a, a wrathful response. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we, we need to understand that, but, but also understanding that, you know, going back to this idea of hypocrisy, we, we've got to be living it. You know, if we're telling our children how to deal with the trauma in their life, we've got to be demonstrating that we know how to deal with it ourselves. And yes, we may fail from time to time. And if anybody's going to see it, they will. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they pointed out to you that that you failed in this particular piece of advice that you're offering, well, own it. You know, yes, I failed. The worst thing we can do with our children is try to explain away our own hypocrisy. Right. Because then we're teaching them to do exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. They do have a radar for inconsistencies. If there's anyone who will call you out on it, it's your kids. They will call oh, you out absolutely. if they see it. They they will. And, you know, there's been times in my life where they have. So that's a, a good way to start to understand how we can can process these things because they have had to see how we deal with this because we're going to try to, to help them de-escalate the situation. But in order to do that, we've got to, again, going back to this metaphor of water off a duck's back, we have to massage things Mm -hmm. into our psyche in order to be able to make this happen as God would have us to happen to answer in a way that's appropriate for the situation. Well, and and using that same metaphor, when when things, when, when we are faced with criticism, rebuke, trauma, whatever bad things you, whatever you want, title you want to give those bad things, what is our own personal knee-jerk reaction? Well, usually we want to either deny that what they're saying is is really what it is, or we get angry, or we get frustrated because we're being accused of something or we're being misunderstood. Mm-hmm. And so realizing that's going to be our typical knee-jerk reaction, expect the same from our children. How how do you as a parent, as an adult, deal with this? It will affect how you teach them to deal with it as well. And and one of the first things that, that I recommend is just quite literally take a deep breath and take two steps back. Mm-hmm. I, I was using this analogy with a friend of mine here recently. He loves to uh, assemble massive jigsaw puzzles. And and he does not approach any jigsaw puzzle, regardless of size, 
as something he cannot get done in, in one weekend. He even he's gotten so good at it, he's got it timed out that if he's not placing a puzzle piece every 10 seconds, something is happening to him mentally. He's got a glitch. And so he literally will step back away from the puzzle and change his perspective on that puzzle and therefore change his perspective of the big picture long enough that he can start micro assessing the individual pieces again. And and so literally, we sometimes need to take a step back. My wife just recently found that there's a, a, an actual psychological phenomenon to this. Our brain, in the process of taking two physical steps back from something, our brain takes that moment to replay in slow motion the last several minutes of a confrontation and we then begin to look at it from a different perspective and then maybe are able to deal with the situation more clear-mindedly than had we stayed engaged in the situation without taking that step back. So taking that step back allows us to more calmly approach the situation at hand. Sometimes I've had to leave the room or go for a walk. That might take a little bit longer than just a step back, but it's, it's the same idea. And it right. does, it does help to, well, at least hit the pause button on exactly. the situation. And, you know, one of the things that I have found helpful for me, you know, this story too is, you know, when Nehemiah was before the king and the king says, why are you upset? I don't know how long it took for Nehemiah to respond, but it says he prayed <laughs> and mm-hmm. I've had, yes. I've used Nehemiah's prayer. And by that, I mean, when I've been faced with situations, please help me respond in the correct way. And that's about all I say. Right. But, you know, Father, please help me respond in the, in the correct way. Amen. You know, type of thing. Exactly. And that has helped because that kind of reboots my mind to being present in a way that is not going to respond in a retaliation type of way or in a negative way, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Well, and, and that brings to my mind uh, something that we often refer to as the serenity prayer. And, and interestingly enough, I've had uh, folks that would argue me till they were blue in the face that this is actually found in, in scripture, but it's not, but it's still good <laughs> wisdom. Mm-hmm. And it's God grant me the serenity or the peace to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can. And here's the part that I love about this and the wisdom to know the difference. Mm-hmm. That's where I think we sometimes fail. We we don't take the time to figure out what we can change and what we can't change. And we sometimes exert a tremendous amount of mental energy as well as physical energy, trying to fix something that we're just not capable of fixing. Mm-hmm. But when we can recognize the difference and recognize what we can change, then we go, we set about changing that, but we learn to accept those things that we can't change as just that something we cannot change. Right. There are things that's a good point because there are things that we can choose to do. As you've mentioned in the first idea, we can choose to take a step back. We can choose to hit that pause button and catch our breath and then move forward. But there are things especially when you're dealing with a child of trauma and their outburst, we can't choose how they act for them. Right. But 
by virtue of how we act and respond, that, as you cited from the, the proverb reference, a soft answer turns away wrath. If yes. you answer with a soft answer, you as you choose to do that, then that puts a principle in play that we both have the faith in a, to understand that it works. I've used it. You've used it. It mm-hmm. will de-escalate the situation, and it's really how you let the water run off your back. Take a deep breath, and then respond with a soft answer. Well, and I, and I also I love to turn to uh, the example of Solomon, especially as he's dealing with his son Rehoboam. Mm-hmm. Uh, I look at the book of Ecclesiastes as a letter written from a father to a son, explaining all the mistakes I made and here's what I've learned. You know, Solomon was willing to own his mistakes, right? He didn't claim to be perfect, but, but one of the things that I find interesting about that is we oftentimes look at Ecclesiastes from the wrong perspective. We, we hear people say, well, you know, all is vanity. The whole book is all about how life is full of worthless and empty things. No, it's really Solomon's guide to, to his son to say, Hey, look, everything is empty and there are a tremendous number of pitfalls in life. If you approach life without God as your single guiding purpose at the center of everything. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the thing that I find interesting about that is as parents, the next thing we need to take as a little bit of consolation is we can give the absolute best God given advice that we know how to give. And our children are not always going to listen. Mm-hmm. You know, case in point is first Kings chapter 12 following Solomon's death. You know, the people come to uh, him, the son and God, you know, here, here's what we need you to do. Rehoboam. We, we want you to make our yoke lighter and, and, you know, do. And he says, okay, depart from me for three days. Well, there's that taking that step back. Mm-hmm. And, and then he's going to go back to them. And, and while they're gone, he seeks out the advice. First uh, Kings chapter 12 and verse eight says he's seek, seeking out the advice of the elders, which were of his father's you know, service. But verse eight says he rejected the advice, which the elders had given him and instead consulted the young men who'd grown up with him, who stood before him. The advice of the elders who, who had faithfully served his father was make their yoke lighter speak kind words to them. Mm-hmm. And he didn't, he didn't like that. He wanted the advice of his peers, which said, Hey, make your father look like a wimp, but it'd be a whole lot heavier handed on these people than what they have, than what they're used to. Mm-hmm. But, but I look at that and go, okay, you know, here's the wisest man in all the world has written a book, Ecclesiastes to tell his son, here's what not to do. Unless you're going to put God in the center of everything. These are going to be problems. And then whenever his father's gone, what does he do? He follows the advice of his peers. My wife and I spent a tremendous amount of time. Our children were with us almost everywhere we went because of the nature of my my responsibilities being a minister. They got to hear some things that that we had a lot of opportunity to talk about later and, and to discuss their responsibilities of, you know, there's some things you just don't share with others. But more importantly, they got to see how we as their parents dealt with some pretty angry people at times. Mm-hmm. And, and in doing so, 
They also accompanied us whenever we went to other people for advice on how to deal with certain situations. And what they learned was not only how to deal with it properly, but to realize sometimes you have to go to other people, older, wiser than yourself, to get the advice that is really beneficial. So, you know, again, this idea of what what is the process that we should be going through as parents, we should be teaching our children where to go for advice. You know, remind them, Proverbs 1, verse 5, a wise man will hear and increase learning, and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel. Uh, Proverbs 3, and verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. These things are, are absolutely rock-solid principles that will make a huge difference in your life, dealing with the bad things in life especially, but also in the good things in life, keeping it in perspective. That makes sense. And in seeking out those individuals, that's one of those things that it's important to look for. And once you find those, as we call them on this podcast, anchors of encouragement, once you can find that anchor, or anchors, hopefully you've, you've, you have multiple ones that you can seek them out for advice and especially as how to navigate challenges like we're talking about today. That's been my experience. And I know you, you don't want me to, to call you out on this, but you are my, you are one of my anchors. And I've, if you guys haven't figured out by now, when I talked about a nocturnal anchor in episode 10, uh, it was David, um, there have been times where I have put these things that you've talked about already into practice. I have taken a step back and sometimes that step back has been to go and get on the phone and have someone to be a sounding board because I have found at times it's not the easiest for the water to run off my back as we've used the analogy if I can reach out to someone who can look at the situation impartially and can help me to see it clearer, then that's basically massaging this, these principles into play or into my thinking so I can more appropriately respond. And so having that anchor, having that sounding board, when you feel like you're tossing around and things aren't going well, that gives you stability. In my case, David, you've been one of those anchors for me that have helped me navigate some of these challenges when things weren't going well. And well, you know, the story and uh, yes. more than anybody else that hears this podcast. So again, thank you well, for that person for me. I, I appreciate the opportunity to be that for you, but uh, also know and understand that without any question or any doubt, that street goes two ways. And uh, and and I appreciate you very much as well. One one of the things that I think that we also need to to keep in mind with this is when we're teaching our children who to go to for advice, you don't want them to develop the mindset that, well, okay, if I'm looking to figure out how to make a million dollars, I think I'll just stop and ask this drunken bum laying in the in the gutter here who can't even clean himself up and, and you know, doesn't even hardly know who he is at any moment. I'm going to get advice from him on how to make a million dollars. Well, most folks would look at that and go, of course, you're not going to ask that person for advice. 
not in that regard. You might ask him for other advice, but but to know who to go to is really the first half of the battle. The second half of the battle is being willing to listen to the advice given. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where this First Kings 12 example comes in. You know, Rehoboam actually went to the right people for the advice the first time, but he wasn't willing to listen. Mm-hmm. And and so, you know, sometimes, and, and I, this goes kind of back full circle to the hypocrisy we were talking about a few minutes ago. If your kids see or know that you've been going to the right people for advice, but you're just not listening and and you go on and make mistakes anyway, well, now you've got a choice to make. You can either own that mistake and go, yep, you're exactly right. That's exactly what I did. Or you can make excuse about it. Trust me, making excuses about it does not progress what you want to do in not only building your relationship with your children, but also consider then also the friends of your children who might start coming to you for advice. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we have been blessed beyond belief at the number of, of friends of our children who look to us as I will say surrogate parents and, you know, that's really stretching it a bit, but, but they do look to us for advice. And And the interesting thing about it is things are kind of coming full circle for us when our children were growing up and we'd give them advice and they didn't like what they were hearing, they'd go to a, a friend of ours that we had surrounded them with over the years. And, and, you know, they might have five or six different options and they'd pick one and they'd go say, well, here's the problem. And before you know it, that person is giving almost verbatim the exact same advice that, that my wife and I had given mm-hmm. and then, and our children would take it. <laughs> and my wife and I would look at each other, start kind of scratching our head like, Isn't that what we just said? But you know what it really came down to is it didn't matter. Right. It didn't matter that we didn't get credit for them taking that advice from us. What mattered was they kept looking for advice, but they were looking in the right places. Mm -hmm. They were going to trusted sources and, and they finally did take the, the right advice. And we finally just learned it doesn't, it doesn't matter where they got it as long as they're following the right advice. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. And we've had similar situations and uh, maybe a little different slant on it where we've given advice and it might not have been received right away, but maybe later the child has come back and has come to a conclusion that basically parrots exactly what we said. And we go, good. That's a good decision. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Exactly. That's good. You go for it. So yep. it's important to teach them how to reject not only bad advice, but how to reject undue criticism, how to process uh, difficult things in life. Going back to this idea of the wisdom to know the difference, you know, you, you have to first ask yourself, is what's happening valid? Is this statement that somebody has made, is it valid? Uh, and if not, then I need to reject it and, and the sooner the better. And, and if it is then, okay, what do I need to do about it? Uh, I've I've got a friend who gets very upset about, uh, politics and things that are going on in other parts of the world that, that honestly don't even concern him here today, tomorrow, next week, 
but he gets real upset about it. And and I finally, the other day I asked him, I said, so how does that change what you're doing today? And he just looked at me like I'd hit him with a cold fish in the face. And he went, well, I, I don't know. I said, yeah, I don't either. I, I'm not going <laughs> to choose to spend a whole lot of time worrying about things I can't do anything about. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's just, we can get carried away very easily by our emotions that are usually uh, fear or panic-based, or at least based on things that just really don't have a lasting impact. Mm-hmm. You know, it is what somebody said about me yesterday, 110 years from now, is anybody going to remember or even care what was said? Well, no. <laughs> mm-hmm. 110 years from now, nobody's going to be around that even remembers it. <laughs> so, you know, we, we just kind of have to put it in perspective sometimes. Right. Right. No, these these are good ideas to to consider when you you want to navigate these challenges. Um, you know, one of the things that one passage I should say that that comes to my mind with this is Proverbs twenty seven seventeen. One of my favorite passages in Scripture: "Iron sharpens iron." Yes. And if you can, if your children can seek out the right people. If you as parents can seek out the right people, then this principle of iron sharpens iron. When you put that principle into play, it just time and time again, I've seen how rewarding God's wisdom and how he wants us to interact with one another can be. That's one of those things I think applies here as well. Just finding these individuals, finding the correct individuals, be willing to to look to yourself and, you know, be honest, you know, don't let sure. pride get in your way. I know Absolutely. I've told my boys, both of them, I said, you know, I am not a perfect parent. And for the record, there's only one perfect parent that I know of. And it's our heavenly father. Yes. So yes. you might think there's other parents out there. They might act like they're perfect. No, no, no. It's, there's only one. We all make mistakes. We do the best we can. And you own your failures when you make them. And yes. I think your kids will be a lot more likely, you know, to listen to you and respect you and, and it will navigate this better as well. So, well, kind of going back to this metaphor of the, the water rolling off the duck's back and, and realizing, you know, the story I told uh, in the previous episode of, of how that, uh, you know, it seemed a little comical to me that this neck, this duck was just about to break his neck, seemed like trying to mm-hmm. scratch his back. And, uh, you know, I've thought about that over the years. There's times that I've got an itch right in the middle of my back that I, I cannot reach no matter how hard I try. And, you know, there's times I wish I had a neck as flexible as that duck and could reach back there and scratch that itch. But sometimes we have to get help. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're, I remember being out in the woods one day and deciding I was going to back up against a tree and scratch my back like a big old grizzly bear. And lo and behold, I leaned up against a rotten tree and the thing fell over. And I'm standing there going, well, so much for all the game that I was pursuing in this area of the woods because I just scared them all right out of here. <laughs> I'd have been much better off to have looked for my dad and said, hey, would you scratch this itch for me? I can't reach it. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> and and when it comes to asking for help, you know, that's we, especially as men, but we as human beings assume it's a sign of weakness when we ask for help. Mm-hmm. when in reality it should be perceived by more and more people that it is a sign of not only humility but of extreme strength to be able to say hey i need some help yeah. it takes a lot of courage to be able to say that i've had to swallow my pride 
many times through this uh, this journey and just admit, I, I just don't have the answers. It's been helpful to have these anchors, as I've mentioned, to to lean on. And there's one that we haven't haven't talked about yet, but the one I've alluded to him as the perfect father. He is the one that we can lean on at all times, 24 seven. I've, I've, I've mentioned that unless you have something uh, really pressing, uh, you will call back immediately. Um, yes. But, you know, there's times where I'm in the middle of the night, I've, I've called you late, but there's times I said, you know, God doesn't sleep or slumber. I can, I can give it to him. And I think that's one of the things we need to avail ourselves to is to, to go to him and because he wants us to be real and raw and yes. to, to give it to him. You know, when we are, are faced with, with challenges and we can allow him to give us that peace, that'll help deflect and let these things that we're facing, these, these trauma responses, they will roll off our back, but we can, we have that, we have that at our beck and call anytime we need it. So that's another thing I was thinking of, you know, and that's part of that, taking that step back, take a step back and pray Mm -hmm. about it. Yeah. You know, the, the, the next thing is, you know, we, we've got value. You and I have value as adults. We have value as parents. We have value, but we sometimes fail to instill that in our children. But even before we can instill it in our children, we need to take a step back. And even though that response that we're getting from them is not what we want it to be, it's a harsh response. It's anger, it's frustration, whatever it might be. And it may be triggering us in our own trauma responses. Mm -hmm. In taking that step back and praying about it for a moment, I would hope that that most of us not only recognize we have value, but that our children have value and that we are given a unique opportunity to help mold them into what God can use as a vessel of honor in his service and bringing glory and honor to his name. Or if we respond to this in an inaccurate or ineffective way, and I'll even just say it this way, a wrong way, Mm -hmm. we are putting cracks in that vessel that may or may not ever be healed the way we want it to be. Now, God can still take those cracked pots, so to speak. (laughs) And, And I think you're probably familiar with that story. He can even use those cracked vessels and bring lots of glory and honor to his name anyway. Mm -hmm. That's what he's doing with you and me. It's what he's doing with other adults who are dealing with trauma in their lives. And, And so, yes, we may cause cracks or fissures in this vessel that we're helping to mold with God's help. But even God can take that and use it to his glory. Mm-hmm. Uh, in other words, don't don't kick ourselves senseless just because we've made a mistake with our kids. Uh, yeah. They're resilient. They they oh. will they will figure it out. Yeah, <laughs> in spite of our shortcomings. <laughs> yeah, and and for those adoptive parents who are listening to this, and you have maybe at times not responded in the correct way. You know, okay, change, repent of that. Yes. You know, you can always apologize to your child, and then just purpose to to do better in the future because again when they see the humility and the sincerity that you're you're only wanting what's best for them we're all works in progress and yes. it's one of those things looking back 
we would have done things different in certain situations had we known some of the things we know now, but we did the best we can with the information we had at the time. And that's what any parent does. We can all look back with hindsight and have 2020 vision, but you know, we're just doing the best we can. This episodes like this are trying to equip all of us to do better as we move forward and to be more resilient. And it's just the, we're going to do the best we can. And I believe if your children see that effort coming out of you, it might not manifest itself right away, but I believe that uh, in time it they'll they'll turn around. I know in our life and in our journey, we've gotten some positive feedback after the fact when at the time, and David knows, uh, wow, this is really going south. (laughs) But, you know, We've we've gotten feedback that says, you know, you, you did pretty good with the way I was treating you. And that's what you want to hear. I, I just want to encourage everyone to hang in there, uh, do the best they can, start putting some of these principles into play. I know they can work. They've worked for me. Uh, David's had them work. You know, even if you aren't an adoptive parent, it, they work regardless when you're parenting children. So um, absolutely, there's just some unique challenges that adoption can present. But these principles apply regardless. So, again, David, thank you for being on here. And as we wrap this up, what's a what's a daily doable? What's a good first step you would? I mean, we've talked about a lot of things, but what's a good first step we might lead the audience with? Well, you know, as parents, we sometimes develop a mindset of exactly how we want our children to be and how we want them to grow up and what we want them to do. Recognize even as you have made and will continue to make mistakes, so will they. And show them how you own your own mistakes, and in doing so, teach them how to own theirs. And and part of owning your own mistakes is you learn from them. Mm-hmm. Teach them to learn from their mistakes. And, and there's going to be some things that you did in your life long before those children ever came along don't be afraid to share some of those mistakes. Obviously, age-appropriate discretion is much advised, but uh, share those mistakes you made and the lessons that you learned from. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it, you'll be amazed at the dividends that it will reap in the future. That's a good, uh, a good doable for everyone. And again, that's one that's one that takes humility. It does. But again, when they see that humility in you and see the effort that you're putting out to parent them the best you can, that's God's way to do it. That's really his way to, to show that humility and the desire. So uh, thank you again. That's a, a, a great takeaway for everyone today. So uh, again, I appreciate you for being on here and sharing, thank you, sharing this wisdom from scripture with us and your personal experiences. So we got to get together soon and, and play Euchre. So, <laughs> Oh, Absolutely. That, Whether that's, they're across the table or opposing each other. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, it's 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 a little inside joke there, guys. So anyway, <laughs> thanks again, David. I really appreciate you. Thank you. It's my hope that the ideas David and I talked about on this episode will help you as adoptive parents navigate some of the challenges parenting these children can present, especially when they are responding to their trauma in negative ways. Sometimes their responses are directed at you. That can hurt. I know. But I also know that if you will put these principles into play, 
They will help you respond in a positive way to your children. They will lessen the impact of the trauma you are facing, and they will help you as their parents mold your children into the kind of adults that I know you and I want them to be. If you know someone this episode would benefit, please consider sharing it with them. It's through a grassroots effort like Neighbor Helping Neighbor that positive messages like this can reach the parents who need them. There's another way you can help this message reach more people. If you could take a few minutes and leave a review for this show, this will tell the platforms that are hosting this podcast there's a message out there people are listening to. That's all for this episode. I want to thank you so much for joining me. Until next time, this is Tim encouraging you to do what you can now. If this podcast has given you the courage and confidence to face storms in your life, the number one way you can thank me is to leave a written review on Apple Podcasts. Tell a friend about the show. Take a screenshot of this episode and share it in your Instagram stories and tag me at Tim Maudlin. You can also connect with me in my Facebook group, Anchors of Encouragement. So until next time, this is Tim encouraging you to do what you can now.